Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is located in Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement, blessing, and an inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us, or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. I invite you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of John. Amen. John chapter 11. We are starting a new sermon series this week that we are calling Miracles. 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 So we're going to read this verse. John chapter 11. We're going to read from verse 21. Uh, you guys need to keep your Bibles out today. We're going to be reading quite a few verses, uh, but I promise I think it will be, I'll try to make it as um, engaging as I can. I don't think it's going to be something where we're just reading. It's going to be something that's going to be edifying us as we go through this. John chapter 11, verse 21, and we're going to read through verse 26. If you have it, say amen. Amen. You don't have it, we obviously have it up here on the screen, but it's always good to have your Bibles because on your Bible you can circle, you can underline, you can highlight, you can make notes on the side. Amen. The Word of God says, John chapter 11, verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been there, everyone say, if you had been there. If you had been there, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Martha's brother, Lazarus, had just passed away. He had just died. And Martha was saddened, obviously. She's telling Jesus, Jesus, if you had only been here, I know, I know that he would have been healed. I know that everything would have been different. And in verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her some very powerful words. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And he asked a question, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Jesus, for your word. And we thank you because of all the things that you've done to us. And in this moment, we just ask you that you would speak into our hearts and into our lives. Let your word come alive. Let your word penetrate into the deepest regions of our soul, Lord. That we can 
we can make this word ours, that we can make this word live in our lives, that this word cannot just be this next 30 minutes, but that this is the word that we live every day, day in and day out. That is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Can someone say amen? Amen. You may have a seat. Now, miracles, miracles, everyone say miracles, miracles. Now, miracles can be a highly, highly disputed subject. It can be a controversial subject. There are people, and when I say people, I'm talking about there are churches who believe that God no longer works miracles today. These are Churches that believe in Jesus, these are churches that preach the word of God, uh, that preach from the Bible, that believe that, that the miracles that we see in the Bible, the miracles that God, that he no longer does them, that that was in those times. But at the same, on the same hand, there are people that do believe that God still does miracles. There are people that still believe that God can move mountains. And I just want to tell you today, and I just want to clarify with you today. You are sitting in a church. You belong to a church that absolutely believes that we serve a God that still performs miracles today. I don't know what mountain is in your life. I don't know what difficulty you're facing today. But God can may do a miracle in your life today. God can move that mountain that seems that you can't overcome, that looks so big, that looks so tall, that it looks like you're not going to be able to, be, to overcome it. But God can move the mountain. That's who we are. We believe that God can still do miracles. But not only is it that we believe it, we've experienced it. How many of you today would say you need a miracle in your life? Can you raise your hand? If you, if you say that I need a miracle in my life, there's, there's a few of you. Amen. Or maybe someone knows someone. Maybe you know someone. How about that? Do you know someone that needs a miracle in their life? Can you raise your hand? I think we all would raise our hands there, right? But it's not just that we believe it. We, we've seen the miracles that God has done in our lives. Psalm chapter 77 verse 14. The word of God says, you are the God who performs miracles, you display your power among the peoples. And I love the way the, the Living Bible puts it, the different, this different version. Go ahead and put it up. It says, you are the God of miracles and wonders. You still demonstrate your awesome power. God is in the business of performing miracles, of doing miracles in our lives why? Not because necessarily he, 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 not because necessarily he just wants to answer our prayers, which he does want to answer our prayers, but he does it because that is the way in which God gets glory and is glorified in our lives. 
It is through his performing of a miracle. It is from do, him doing something in your life that radically changes your life that he is glorified. And in Job chapter 5 verse 9 it says, he performs wonders that cannot be fathomed. Miracles that cannot be counted. Sometimes we don't even know what God has done for us. Sometimes we have no clue, no idea what God has saved us from, what God has kept us from, what bad decisions God has kept us from making. We have no idea how many times we've been here at church and we had no idea that if we had not come to church, we don't know what would have happened to us. His miracles can't be counted. There's just so many. And we believe in miracles, but not only that, we, we've experienced his miracles. Back in, back in 2003, some of you know this story. Some of you lived this with us. Um, but back in 2003, my, my wife and I, we were at a very interesting time in our lives. Um, to say the least, we were very, we had just, we had a three-year-old and Andrew had been just born six months prior to, to, to this time that I'm about to speak about. And um, we were making some drastic changes in our lives. And we, throughout that process, I had a cousin whose son was sick. And um, despite our, our prayers and everything, God saw it fit to, to take my cousin's son to heaven and we were on our way. We were about to leave to go on our way to, to the funeral. And as we're walking out, we're dressed, we're in a hurry. We, we, we are a little bit stressed out because we had to do some preparations for the funeral. Uh, and, you know, funerals are not an easy thing. And funerals, especially when it comes to a young child, it's not easy. We're a little stressed, but we're, we're on our way out. We have Nathan with us. We have Andrew with us. And, and we're, as we're walking out to the car, my, my, my in-laws, they drive up. And they say, no, no, we'll, we'll keep the kids. You, you guys go. You guys go. And we didn't miss a beat. We just got in the car. We left, basically left the kids there uh, on the driveway because my, my in-laws were picking them up and taking them inside. We just got in the car. Our are probably about a year, year and a half old. Um, I can't even remember what year it was, but it was a Mercury Mountaineer, leather seats. It was a nice deep red. It was, it was a, we were very happy with our car. And as we're driving off, we get on the freeway. If you know a little bit the areas, we were getting onto 635, heading uh, south, or I guess it's east in that direction, heading towards, we're going from Garland, heading towards uh, Mesquite, and as we're getting to Mesquite, uh, we're going under the overpass of um, I-30 on 635, there is a car that out of nowhere just comes right in front of us, and we T-bone them. And we were going at the very least 65 miles an hour. Uh, we were in a hurry. Uh, I don't think I was speeding necessarily, but we were, we were going fast. And we hit. The next thing I know, um, I'm thinking in my mind, I'm thinking, am I about to die? I don't know what's happening. I can't see anything. I, I know that something bad is going on. Like, it was almost like a surreal experience. And um, 
as, as things stop and slow down, I remember opening my eyes and I can't see anything. And, and I'm, I don't know if I was concussed. I don't know what had happened exactly. And, and as I opened my eyes, I know we've been in a, in a bad car accident. I'm, I, I'm reaching out. I'm actually kind of, or my wife is actually hitting me on the chest trying to get my attention. And I'm trying to reach out to her see if she's okay. And it's interesting because as we're doing that, trying to figure out what's going on um, and, and gathering ourselves, I remember my door opens and, and, and someone walks up to me, puts their hand on my chest and begins to say a prayer over my life. And I remember his words, his words were, Jesus, I pray for this family. They are going to need you the next few months. Whatever's happening in their lives and whatever's going to happen in their lives, hold them in your hands. And, and I remember I, I, I couldn't see. I was concussed or I was barely coming back to, to, to get, get My vision was blurry and it was finally um, getting some focus. I never really saw the person. I, I, I looked and I, all I remember telling, him telling me as he finished the prayers, I have to go because your help is coming. And... I didn't see the person. And needless, I, I didn't know this, but as this was happening, the same thing is happening on my wife's side. Someone opened, actually didn't open the door because they couldn't open the door. The, the door was, was worked because of the impact. Because we, later on we found out that our car rolled four times at high speeds on the freeway and landed on the median. And um, the, whoever it was somehow reaches into the car and is doing the same thing with my wife, praying over her life that God would be with us and that we were going to need him more than ever before in these next few months. We were going to be tried. We were going to have some difficulties, but that God would cover us. And the same thing, you would ask my wife. She never really saw this person. Um, and I even brought some pictures. Go ahead. That's our car. That's our beautiful Mercury Mountaineer. <laughs> um, that's my wife's side had to be cut open or forced open. There's the front. Um, and when I say we hit the median, go ahead and go to the next one. That's where we hit the median. Um, I tell you, that's a miracle that my wife and I walked away from that. Uh, we didn't walk away unscathed. I broke... An ankle, but that's all that happened. I broke an ankle. I had to have surgery. Um, my wife, and she can show you after the service, um, she's got scars on her arm from uh, where the glass embedded itself in her arm. She had to have surgery to get some of that removed. I had to get surgery to fix my ankle. I still have two nice screws inside my ankle. Um, and my, needless to say, my athletic career was over after this, my very illustrious athletic career. But later on, as we get to the hospital, a police officer comes and speaks to me and tells me, you know, um, we're just investigating. This is just kind of part of the process. I'm sorry. I know you, you guys are, it's difficult for you guys right now, but I need you to know that the other person in the other car didn't make it. So there's an investigation being opened, and I just need to ask you some questions. 
And in that moment, I remember that my, my heart sank. And then at the same moment, I was like, Lord Jesus, I don't know what you just saved us from. And I remember I was, I was by myself when this happened. I remember praying for the family of the other, the other um, car. Um, but I know that in my life, in my wife's life, it was a miracle. Not only because we were saved, but because we didn't have our children in the car with us. Andrew, we were, I don't know, Nathan, uh, maybe I think we were kind of bad parents at that moment because we were kind of not using a car seat anymore. At three years old, we thought he was okay now. He wouldn't have been using a car seat. Andrew was barely in a car seat. He had his car seat. And I, I shiver to think of what would have happened if they were there with me, with us. I don't even want to think about it. But God saved us from this. And that's why I say that we do still serve a God that performs miracles in our lives. I, I, to this day, I, I, I don't know who those people were that came and spoke to us and spoke words of, of encouragement and words of comfort and peace in, over our lives. But I do know that the words they spoke over our lives were very true. We experienced some great difficulty over the next few months. I lost my job. My wife and I, both of us weren't working. There were some really hard moments in our lives. We were tried in our marriage. We were tried in our relationship. We were tried in our relationship with God. But yet, we always came back to that prayer that those people made over our lives. And honestly, I can't sit here and tell you there were people. I don't know. They were angels. They were, I don't know what it was. They came down and spoke to us and basically told us that God is with us. And it was in that moment that I knew God had a purpose for my life. I knew it. And, and as we read the Bible and as we see that God performs miracles... You and I need to be reminded that the power of God is still accessible to us as a people, as a church, for us to cry out to him, for us to call out, for us to come before our knees, before the presence of God and speak to God and say, Lord, I need a move of your spirit in my life. My family needs you. My children need you. My marriage needs you. My finances need you. My career needs it. I need you in my life today because God still does miracles. And as we begin this series, and I, I'm not going to spend, I, I hope I don't spend a lot of time today. I know Brother Jesus is probably looking at 24 slides over there and thinking, oh my goodness, we're going to be here a long time. But we're just going to read through a lot of this, the whole story of Lazarus. And we're going to go quite quickly, I think. But we read in chapter 11, verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. And I want us to stay there. A man named Lazarus was sick. Tell your neighbor, he was sick. He was sick. All of you guys, most of you raised your hands that you want a miracle in your life. You got to understand that the soil in which a miracle happens is a soil of problems. 
We don't need a miracle when everything is good. We need a miracle when there's an issue and there's a problem in our lives. And now this man named Lazarus was sick and he was in need of intervention from someone to come help him. And it happened to be that Jesus was good friends with him and was good friends with his sisters. And the Bible says that he was sick. So the situation in which he found himself was ripe. For a miracle. And I want to tell you, if you're going to a problem today, and if you're having some issues, I don't care what it may be, I don't care if it's in your family, in your health, in your marriage, in your finances, with your children, whatever it is, give God some glory because the conditions are right for a miracle to happen in your life. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next year, but it can happen today. Someone needs to to believe that we serve a God of miracles. We serve a God of miracles. Lazarus was sick. And we all want miracles in our lives, but many times we don't want to deal with the issues that are at hand. And and, and it keeps going on in verse 2. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. With her hair. So the sim- sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. It's interesting to note that as we read this, The appeal that the sisters made to Jesus on Lazarus' behalf was not Jesus, Lazarus is sick and you know how much he loves you. You know how much he serves you. You know that he shows up every Sunday at church. You know that he's a good tither. You know that he gives his offerings in faith month. You know that he's always willing. No, the appeal that they made to Jesus was Jesus, Lazarus, the one that you love is sick. And many times we come before God with the wrong attitude. And we got to understand that the only thing that moves the heart of God is himself. So when we come before God, you got to remind them, Lord, remember your word says that you loved me. Remember that your word says that you gave your life for me. And I need you to do a miracle in my life. I am sick. My family is dysfunctional. My marriage is in trouble, but I need you because I know that you love me. It's not because I've been so good. It's not because I deserve it. It's not because I go to church every Sunday. It's only because you love me that you should do something in my life. Lord, the one you love is sick. He's sick. Lazarus is sick. They didn't say, they didn't send them a a, a record of his tithing. They didn't send them a record of his Sunday school attendance. He didn't, they didn't send them a record of his city group attendance. They didn't give him a list of all the titles and positions that he held at his church. No, Lord, the one that you love is sick. I just want to help you today and please know that God is willing to work in your life and God is willing to do that thing that you need him to do. But not because 
we deserve it and not because we need to do more and not because we need to be better and not because, no, he does it because he loves you. Tell your neighbor he loves you. I, I don't know if you're believing me or not, but Jesus loves you. That's why he moves. That's why he gave his life. For God so loved the world that he gave his son, his only begotten son, so that whoever will believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loved you. This is love. Not that we loved him first, but that he loved us and gave his son as, as, as a offering for us. When God moves, God moves because he loves you. You may have stumbled this past week. You may have made a mess out of things in your life. But that does not disqualify you from Jesus performing a miracle in your life. The Bible goes on to say in verse 6, Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two, everyone say two, two more days. And then he said to his disciples, now let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you and yet you're going back. There are times in our lives if we're not careful we, we get stuck in something that, that we can call the, de the death trap. We, we get stuck in something that slowly, without even us realizing it, is leading us to something that can kill us. And, and as we read this, he, the Bible says that he stayed where he was two more days. And... Yet when he decided to go back, we got to remember that Jesus was almost stoned to death when he was there the last time he visited. And, and in verse 11, the narrative continues saying, after he said this, he went on to tell him, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, but Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Why are you going to wake him up? If he sleeps, he's going to get better. But Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. The first step into what we can call the death trap is this. We don't understand how God works. The thing that leads us into a death trap, the thing that leads us down a road that can lead to death is that you and I, we try to understand everything that God does in our lives. We, we, we want God to work in our lives. We want God to move in our lives. But we want him to do it the way we want him to do it. Praise the Lord, someone. We put God in a box. I will only accept what you're going to do in my life if it looks this way, if it sounds this way. If it feels this way, if I get enjoyment out of it, if it puts me in a better position, I will only take your miracle in my life if you do it how I want you to do it. 
because we don't understand how God works. We, we, we want him to operate from our perspective when God does not operate from our perspective. And you got to understand that our perspective is a very limited perspective. But God cannot be limited by our limitations. God is above and beyond what you and I could ever think. God can do the things that you never imagined in your life he can do. And he can use the situations in your life that you never thought could be used for any good. And he can use those to turn your life around. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are, your, are not your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We want God to do the miracle. We want God to move the mountain in the way that we would enjoy it or in the way that we want it. Praise the Lord, somebody. And then that happens and we don't understand God is trying to work. God is doing things in our lives and we are just at a loss. Lord, uh, they said he was sick but yet you're, you're waiting still another two days. Lord, I'm telling you my marriage is in trouble and I don't feel like anything is happening. Lord, I, 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 I told you that my children are being rebellious and I need them to know you and I need them to seek you. And I don't feel like anything's changing but yet God is still at work. God is always working, church. God is always moving. And then what happens when we don't understand God is we move into the second phase of this death trap and we, we get consumed. Listen what this says, John chapter 11, verse 16. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. We become like Thomas and we move into this next phase of death and leading into a death trap and we get consumed with doubt. First of all, Jesus, he was, they gave us notice two days ago and you waited a long time. Second of all, Jesus, last time we went they tried to kill us and now you're saying after you waited a couple days, now we're going to go to that hostile place where they wanted to kill us. Well, I guess we're just going to go so that we can die with Lazarus as well. We get consumed with doubt in our lives because we don't understand how God works. We can't comprehend what he is up to. We begin to allow doubt to show up in our lives. And Thomas says that we're going to a place where we've already been. We weren't welcomed. We might as well go and die. We get consumed with doubt because we don't see how things could possibly work out in our lives. And we begin to sound just like this. The, the marriage I thought was going to be great, well, it seems like it's dead. I might as well give up on it. The doctors told me there is no hope. Well, I guess they're right. I'm just going to give up on, on trying. Uh, the, I, I am so in debt, I might as well just go shopping and rack up some more debt. <laughs> and we give up. When you find yourself in the middle of doubt, 
You need to understand. You need to shake yourself. You need to react and realize that you are in the middle of a death trap. And if you're not careful, your faith can die. The Bible says that we live by faith and not by sight. You need to put that in your heart. The circumstances may not look ideal. The thing that you want to happen in your life, it doesn't look like it's going to come through. But we don't live by our eyes. We live by faith. We live by trusting that God is with us. Listen, last week after the service, we, we went home and we took the, the speaker to our house and we were grilling outside. And it was so beautiful. It was a good time. But then all of a sudden, do you remember what happened last week? All this rain started coming down. And then all of a sudden it turned from rain into hell. But you know what happened? I was still under my patio. I was just looking. I was grilling, trying to make sure that the, that the, that the carne, the meat, would not uh, burn. And as I'm looking, I'm thinking, man, that would be bad if I was outside. But you know why I was calm? Because I had a covering over my head. Somebody here today needs to understand that you have a covering in your life. And his name is Jesus Christ. The world may be falling apart. That things may not look good. But I live by my faith in Jesus. And it doesn't matter what I'm seeing. It doesn't matter what is happening. God is good. He is my covering. I don't know if you have a covering over your life. But those of us that have come to new life in Christ, he becomes our covering. He becomes our covering. We get consumed with debt, doubt, and debt sometimes too. John chapter 11 verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb not one day, not two days, not three days, but four days. And this is significant because in the Jewish culture, they believed. I don't know where they got this belief from, but they believed that the spirit of that person hovered over the body for three days. And if after the fourth day it was done with, the spirit was gone, it was time to move on, it was, there was nothing happening. So this is very important for the Jews. They were in the fourth day of mourning. There was no hope. And when Martha, it says, heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. So, so we don't understand what God is doing. So then we get consumed with doubt. And, and the final phase of this death trap is that we give up on God. Martha heard, she went out. But Mary, what's the point? Why am I going to go meet Jesus? I'll just stay home. Nothing's going to happen. And it's interesting because if you remember, if you've read your Bible, and, and I, I, we've taught on this before, Mary was the spiritual one. 
Mary was the one that was at the feet of Jesus and Martha was the one worried about the kitchen and the food and comes to Jesus, tells him, Jesus, will you tell Mary to come help you? Do you think it's right that I'm the only one concerned with what we're cooking, with what we're doing? The dishes are piling up and there's food that needs to be served. Come on, Jesus, can you help? And Jesus tells Martha, 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 you, you worry so much about things that are insignificant. Mary has chosen the better part and that will not be taken from her. But yet we find Mary staying home today. We get caught up in this trap that we give up on Jesus. What is the point of even going to church today? Why, why should I even raise my hands? Why should I commit myself? Why should I give myself? Why should I continue believing when all I've seen is going against what I'm asking? And we give up on God. We simply give up on our marriage, on our children, on our health, our finances. But here's the beautiful thing about God. We need to understand that when it comes to God, when it comes to Jesus, death is never final. I think everyone should have shouted in that. I'll say it again. When it comes to Jesus, death is never final. Can someone get excited about that? And Martha goes and runs and she meets with Jesus even though Mary stayed home. And in verse 25, Martha meets her, meets him. And this is when Jesus tells Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. But the question Jesus asks is the same question he'll ask you. Do you believe this? So how do we go from death to life? I'm running out of time. How do we go from death to life? I'm going to quickly give you these. I think there's three things that we can do. The first thing you got to do, just like Martha, you got to settle in your heart who Jesus is. John chapter 11, verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know, see, I, 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 it didn't happen because he died. But I still know that even now, no matter what has happened, even if it is the fourth day, even now, if God will give you whatever you ask. And here was her answer, do you believe in verse 27, she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into this world. Have you settled in your heart who Jesus is for you? When death is apparent in your life, can you come before God and say, but I know. Beyond the shadow of a doubt. But I know, 
I know within my heart of hearts, I know within the deepest recesses of my spirit that even now, even though everything seems lost, even though it looks like there's no light at the end of the tunnel, I know today that you can do the impossible. I know that today you can move that mountain. Have you settled that in your heart? If you haven't settled that, I need to invite you today. You need to begin to, to activate your faith and settle in your heart that Jesus is is the Messiah, that Jesus is Lord of all, and that Jesus not only is our Lord, but he is Lord over death. He is Lord over life. He is Lord over that circumstance. He is the God of everything in your life. You got to settle it in your heart. The second thing you got to do is you got to stop analyzing everything. Some of us, we analyze every detail. And in verse 38, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with the stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone. I mean, Jesus is about to do something. Jesus is about to, 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 to change lives in this moment. And then someone says, but Lord, um, but Lord. I don't know if you know, but it's been four days and um, it might not smell too good. Are you, are you sure? Are you sure? Church, serving God is not about logic. Listen, serving God is not about logic. Serving God is not about things making sense. Stop analyzing every detail. Settle in your heart who Jesus is. Stop analyzing everything that happens. And the third thing you got to do is you got to start living again. Tell your neighbor, you got to start living. You got to start living. Verse 43, Jesus called in a loud voice. Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Some of us are living life the way that Lazarus came out of that tomb. We're still wrapped we're, we're still carrying that defeat of yesterday. And we're still wrapped in that thing that didn't happen in your life that you really thought needed to happen. And you can't see clearly because you're wrapped in grave clothes. You're wrapped in death. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. You got to take the grave clothes off and you got to let him go. You got to start walking in life. You got to start believing that even though things don't look too good right now, you got to take those bandages off. You got to take that linen off and begin stepping in faith because we live by faith and not by sight. I'm going to ask you to stand. Listen, church, how about, how about instead of, instead of believing what, instead of believing what we see, what if we choose to believe what Jesus has said in our lives?
In Ezekiel chapter 37, God brings the prophet Ezekiel to a valley. Please listen. Brings Ezekiel to a valley. And Ezekiel looks at the valley and it's and it looks like it's just bones. There's something awful happened in that valley. And there's dry bones. And, and God speaks to Ezekiel in that moment, in that place, and says, Do you believe that these dry bones can live again? And Ezekiel says, I don't know, Lord. Only you know. Only you know. And God speaks to Ezekiel and says, you know what? I need you to start prophesying. This is what you need to say. You need to prophesy to these dead bones. Prophesy to dead bones? You want me to, to speak to a dead marriage? You want me to speak to children that are lost in the world? You, you want me to speak life into something that, that there's no hope left in it? You want me to speak into some bad finances? You want me to speak into some bad decisions I made? God says, speak to those dry bones. Prophesy to them. And this is what you're going to tell them. You're going to tell them that you're going to live again. God, dry bones. How am I going to tell them that? No, you're going to tell them that they're going to live again. And Ezekiel starts prophesying. This is what God says. It's not what I say. It's what God says. God says you will live again. And he's standing in the middle of a, 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 some dry bones. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says that all of a sudden, there was a great sound in the valley because these bones started to move. They started to come together. Then tendons started to form. Then the skin started to come over. And all of a sudden, standing before Ezekiel was a mighty army ready to face any challenge. And let me tell you, those things that you think are dead in your life, it's only a preparation that God is doing in your life to raise up some strength in your life, to raise up an army in your life that will be able to live again that will be able to face whatever hardships come, to face whatever difficulty may come. I need two or three people to come to this altar and believe with me that things that are dead can live again. My marriage.